A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We're going to close out credit with just talking about the five C's of credit worthiness. All right. Now, you guys should take a picture of this. Um, one is character, otherwise known as stability and credit history. How long have you lived at your current address? How long have you been in your current job? Or whether you've had a good record of paying your bills on time in full. So, when people look at you and say, hey, am I going to be a bank or a lending institution says, hey, I want, I'm considering lending money to this person. These are the things you're going to look at. These are the things you should always focus on. It's the five C's of, of credit worthiness. So the first one is character. You know, how good are you? Are you really following the rules? Are you paying on time? Are you, are you, you know, you have stability and those sort of things. Next, we talk about is capacity. Your ability to repay the loan based on the debt that you have. You know, are you carrying too much debt? Like I said, it gets back to that word I've been saying throughout the program of desperation. Are you looking desperate? Are you handling things? You have a lot of available credit. You've been very responsible and you can, you can handle the new loan that you're looking to apply for. Next one is capital. How much of your own money have you invested in yourself or in your business? People like to see that. Like, you know, if you're going to come across and you're going to, you know, promote, like someone mentioned, you know, selling apparel, selling cars, like, are you willing to invest in yourself? Are you willing to put yourself on the line? Like, even when people, you know, start off working for somebody and then want to transition to working for themselves, to really become successful as an entrepreneur, there's a point where you have to take the plunge, where you have to be like, okay, I am ready to put full-time effort in this, because half-time effort will give half-time, half results. And, you know, to me, the point is when I know I'm, I was ready to leave working for somebody, work for myself, when it is more expensive for me to work, to go to work than it is to work for myself. And I say that meaning that it's costing me to go to work now. There's, I'm losing business opportunities. I'm not making as much at work as I am doing what I'm doing on the side. I've seen the growth. I feel the energy. I feel like this is like, and not fooling myself, not fooling myself, being very real with myself that I have really built um, a solid foundation where it's time for me to transition. And some, sometimes people are scared of change. And, and, it's, and a lot of times people are scared of success. And people I've spoken to and they have everything in order to succeed, but they're just scared to take that plunge because they're scared of success and they're scared of the unknown. And, you know, I welcome the unknown, you know, like I, I don't even I never even want it would ever want to meet with a fortune teller. I don't need to know my future. I'm very happy with my current, my present <laughs> and whatever is rent free down the road. I'll help navigate that and make it happen. So, you know, I'm not scared of the unknown and I'm not scared to 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 
to invest in myself and believe in myself with, but being real with myself. I know there's a lot of things that I need self-improvement on, even like, you know, working my employees. Sometimes when I'm, when things are being pressured, I know I can come across very harsh. So I need to take a step back, breathe a little, make sure I'm communicating in a way that people are not offended by it. So I think that when you're looking to, to move on and do something, you really have to be real with yourself. And I'm always, I'm always like really judging myself and making sure I'm working on the things that I need to work on to better myself. So those are things, but you know, don't be scared of the unknown and don't be scared to take a risk, a calculated risk where you've done your homework, you've done your research and to reducing the risk and reducing the fear is just to know. If you feel you're, you're nervous and scared, then learn more about what you're getting into. Speak to people, research it, and that should reduce the fear. Um, next thing, collateral. Assets that can be used as security for loan and repayment. You see, back to my original previous slide, when we say assets that can be used as security. I'm sorry for all of you clothes lovers. They're not going to use your cell phone and your pair of jeans. As, you know, and it's a funny thing. I have a friend, a doctor friend, and she was going through some things and, um, and she had her own practice as a successful doctor and she had to move offices. And since she was looking to get a new office, a new business, she's a doctor. And I said, just because you, sometimes you're, you're a medical professional, that doesn't mean business wise, you may have it together. So this place that she was looking for, she needed to get a loan and they asked for collateral. And she asked me, Sean, can she use her only assets she had over the years were just her work computer and her equipment for her medical practice. And I said, the bank is not going to accept that as collateral. Like over the years, she loves to buy shoes. She loves to buy clothes. She loves to travel. And she, wouldn't, she didn't gather any assets that was looked upon that the bank could use to, to leverage so that she could get the loan she was looking to to reopen her business. And unfortunately, she couldn't get a loan. So with the things that people have said earlier, and she had her house filled, her apartment filled with all of her medical equipment, with all of the computers, all the stuff she had to remove out of her previous office, and it, was, it, had a, it had no value. But had she had a house, had she had real estate, had she had bonds, stocks, mutual fund, things that we talked about as far as appreciating assets, she would have been able to leverage those things to get the loan that she needed to move her business forward. Um, conditions. Circumstances that may be affected your ability to repay the loan, health of business, competition, market conditions. You know, when it comes to business, everybody, people will say, I have a business where it's so unique, there's no competitors. And whatever business you choose, whatever for you, banks, lenders, investors want you to see, want to know that you have thoroughly looked at the scope of your business and you understand all the dynamics. Meaning that it's not a good thing to say there's nobody else that's doing what I'm doing. There's nobody else in this business. You have to identify competitors. You have to identify the scope and the global understanding of the business you're about to get into. Once you see like, hey, you know who your competitors are. You know what makes you different. You know what makes you unique. You know what makes you going to be able to succeed in this industry. That looks like you know what you're doing versus, oh, it's just me. It's my unique idea and nobody else is doing it. You know, and even to be successful, you know, what the wealth mindset is, you don't need to create the wheel. You just need to add function to the wheel. Like, okay, if the wheel is already created, but the wheel is sliding throughout the winter, you could be the person that created winter tires. 
you didn't create the tire. You just created winter tires to stop it from sliding. You know, and even other mindset, if you can think of things that where technology can help make this thing work better or function better, then you're on a roll. So you don't have to like spend countless nights figuring out how am I going to make, how, what am I going to create? Just think of ways in which you can improve something, make it work better, make it function better. A little small little tweak can make you millions and millions of dollars. Just a little tweak, a little, little, just a little tweak that you can patent on and say this is what you, you can make a lot of money. Um, let's go to the next slide. So that's kind of it for credit, but I'm going to go through loans. Does anybody have any questions? Let me look at the questions. It's hard for me to like look at questions and read through the slides. So is there any question? Yeah, I got a question. Sure. You said because they have to take, um, what is it called? They have to take uh, collateral. Yeah, collateral for right. a loan. And you said that they wouldn't take shoes, but there'd be shoes out here. They'd be like, like Jordan's be like worth $20,000. They wouldn't take like a twenty thousand dollar Jordan. Depends who your lender is. I can't say I can't see a traditional bank taking a pair of Jordans to lend you something. Depends who your lender is. You know, I know StockX is huge amongst you guys, amongst the youth, where you guys, you know, the, sh- the shoe business is real. It's definitely real, and that's an asset in itself if you hold it well and you flip. But if you're going to use it as an, one, an everyday footwear, then it loses oh, yeah. its value. You kind of have to like shoes are really like art now, right? You're not going to use it. You're going to keep it in its original box. You're going to keep it sealed. So I would more look at the shoe game. You're talking about is more of art than it is a shoe because you're really not wearing them, correct? Yeah. You're keeping them like art. So that's art. And I know plenty of people that like hold and buy and sell shoes. There's a whole market for it. StockX does that. It's a, StockX is nothing more than a buyer and seller's market for shoes and other apparel, yeah. correct? Yeah. So if you're using it in that function, fine. But I don't think a bank is going to hold it as a collateral. Maybe somebody, depending on where you're getting a loan, maybe if stocks, maybe you could leverage with StockX. Like if you needed to, like, um, you know, in, 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 in business terms, if you kind of use it, if you can buy an option on it or you can have the ability to hold that as collateral and they send you more shoes. And in case you don't sell those shoes, they, they, withhold, they take that shoe. Maybe you could probably work some kind of deal as collateral with that shoe with a company like StockX that's familiar with the shoe business. But I can't see someone that's not familiar with it use it as collateral if that makes sense i see what you mean can, can, okay cool can, can i um say so i want to commend kevin too because i see you you're bringing up a lot of examples of like what you what with the interest of amongst you know you and your peers and, and and everyday people which is cars and clothes and there's actual there's actual ways to make money off of that um and I think Sean is really just enforcing that. Yeah, you can. You have to be very careful with these things. These things that we become addicted to, we can let them drown us. Or if we have the interest in it and we know it and we're good at it, we can use it to our advantage. So I'm glad that you're pointing those things out. And I think that it, it does make sense to start looking at some of the things that we consume a lot and really say, how do I make money off of this instead of being a victim? Absolutely. And, and, and that's exactly. And so I'm so happy you made that comment. And I myself had to now just take a step back and say that. And I say it all the time as an adult, because we're so we're so skewed and we're so tainted. We become dream killers. And I see where your mind is going, Kevin. And don't let me kill your dreams. Because if you see an opportunity, opportunity like, like he was just saying in this consumer market, that you're seeing and you're seeing like, you know what, so I'm saying it's appreciating asset, but I know I can make money from this. I know how to make money from this. Then go for it. Because 
your generation, and this is why it's so important for you guys to even, you know, get involved and speak out because you help guide people like myself to say, hey, you know, I forget yeah, there is a stock X, there is this, these are ways that we can leverage and even things that you traditionally say are going to lose money where I can find ways to make money. And that's what successful people do. Like, you know, if you get back to like Tesla, like, you know, Tesla, when you look at the car industry, it was run through Detroit. It was traditional gas guzzling cars and everybody made the same kind of car and ran it to the same kind of factory. If someone, if someone told Elon Musk, like if Elon Musk went to the GM and said, you know what, I'm going to build a plant in San Francisco. I'm going to make non-gas cars. I'm going to make electric cars. I'm going to have charging stations all over the world. And my car is going to be more, sell more than your car. My stock's going to trade hundred times more than your car. The New York stock is going to trade. People would think he's crazy. Because people can't envision that because you're so conditioned and used to seeing things in one manner. So it's for you to like leverage what I'm saying and how to take it and make it work in your world and how you can build wealth. So that's the point of the whole program. It's not for me to direct you exactly do A, B, or C. It's for you to take in this information and what you're doing it, analyzing and saying, okay, how can I make this work? I'm going to make, I understand depreciating and appreciating assets. So it's for me to go into this world and make sure I flip that to an appreciating asset that can work for me. I hope I'm making sense. I am? No? Everybody sleeping? Makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm hoping everybody sent you this in because this is, this is good. You take as many notes as I am. Okay, so let's get now to, you know, let us... What I said earlier, when I've said all along, when you have these great ideas, how you really build wealth and make money is you have to like, you know, if you're like, let's get back to the example of the shoes. If you're saying like, hey, I, can, I have an access to get Jordans at $5,000 and I can sell them in the market at $20,000. Well, to build wealth, you don't want to just be buying one shoe at a time. You got to be thinking of a, a you got to be thinking on a large scale to build up, to be able to buy a 100, 200 Jordans at $5,000 and then sell them at $20,000. That's thinking big, that's thinking wealth mindset. So what I always say, like you're starting off just building your resume, building trust in the market, like buying one shoe, two shoes, flipping it out, building a solid business, showing consistency, showing that you've done this, you know how it works, you know all the barriers around it, you know how it works. And then you're going to try now to use other people's money to grow your business. This one, it comes into now like seeking loans, obtaining credit, obtaining investors. And this is now, so your hustle now turns into not only getting the shoe, it's satisfying your investors, satisfying the and getting the loan. Because the more you satisfy them, the more money will come your way to invest. And this is how you become wealthy. Not just by selling one shoe. I see a lot of guys, one shoe, two shoes hustling, but you got to grow your brand, grow yourself and think like, I want people to see what I'm doing, see how well I'm doing it. Like when it comes to real estate, if I say, hey, now I see, I see a building that I like. I have honestly in my Rolodex at least 20 people I can call and be like, hey, listen, I saw a building, I want to buy it. And there's going to be no questions asked because they see the history of what I've done and how well I've done. So you kind of have to build your resume up. With the one shoe, two shoe that you're buying, you're building your resume and you're not scared to let people know what you're doing. You don't have to give them all specifics, but let them know what you're doing and how successful you are doing it so you can build up. And then you start looking into different types of ways in which to finance. And this is what the rich do. This is what the Warren Buffetts does. This is what the Jay-Z's does. This is what the Elon Musk does. They go and they now solicit themselves to get big-time investors, to get big-time loans so that they, they can grow their brand and they're not using their money. Make sense? And if you grow big enough, you're 
Um, what you write down on a piece of paper could be worth millions of dollars. If Jay-Z, Eli Musk, write, Warren Buffett writes something on a white blank piece of paper, that paper has so much value to it. They don't even have to prove it. People will buy that idea, will want to go with that idea because they've proven themselves. And, and you all have the opportunity to do the same thing. So let's talk about interest rates, common loan terms, right? Things you need to understand. Interest rates. These are the fixed adjusted rate. And you really, I know sometimes we get this money grab. We got a proof of the loan, but we're not looking at the detail. You need to look at what is the rate being charged. You know, that's how people got screwed. when we talked about early in the first class about the whole mortgage bus, they didn't see that five, seven years down the line, the more the rate is going to adjust something that's unaffordable. So you need to study what the interest rate is. You need to look how relevant that interest rate is to other rates. Because even myself, I've been in a situation where I've gotten deals thrown at me where the interest rate doesn't even make sense. It's, it doesn't even add up to what's in the market. You can even, I'll be like, this is not even current market rate. Where are you getting this rate from? They have the right to charge you any rate they want. And if you jump at a term because the payment looks nice and not really reading the fine print, you'll get screwed. Um, the principal, this is the amount of the original amount, the amount of the original mortgage that you're paying back in the interest. The prepayment penalty, some loans, a lot of loans, especially in the real estate world, they have prepayment penalties, meaning that you can't, you have to hold this loan for X amount of time and you can't pay it all off. If you pay it all off, you're going to be hit with hefty fees. So you have to ask those questions. Is there, is there a prepayment penalty? And if there is, what is it? How can I get out of it? Um, events of default, look and see what happens if you default, what could happen, what are the what can concur. Collateral, we talked about that earlier, what are they asking for? And then another thing is closing costs. Like what is it going to cost, the cost of obtaining this loan? And a lot of loans come with terms and comes with fees. And you have to look at see, does the cost of this loan outweigh the opportunity? If it does, then you may want to look at it, look somewhere else or not go in that direction. And don't get, like I said before, with banks and loan agencies, you're just dating them. You're not married to them. Just because they didn't give you the deal that they want, that you want, doesn't mean you have to stick with that deal or try to massage and make that deal right with that bank. In this country, you have so many other lending institutions that you can choose from. You can take your business out somewhere else. Um, amortization is a reduction in your loan balance as you make regular payments. So as you make payments, the balance will go down. Its interest and principal will come off. In some cases, most loans are front-loaded so that the interest, the banks make their money first and interest, and then the principal comes off down the road. Um, interest only. Interest only is a great investment tool for like short-term investment, for even if for your shoe game where the bank will be like, okay, we can give you an interest only payment. And then at five, in the five years, you have a balloon payment due. So you have all this free up of access capital where you don't have to worry about paying principal. You're just going to pay them their money that they're making from you, the interest. And then after X amount of time, you give them back what you loaned. And a lot of smart, savvy investors will use an interest-only loan. I've used an interest-only loan. When I'm buying real estate that I'm flipping, I know I'm only going to keep it for two years, three years. I'm like, let me just pay the interest-only payment. And then when I sell it, pay back off the principal with the sale purchase. So it's really something when you look at different types of loans, an interest-only loan could be something that you could use to your advantage. It frees up cash. Um, negative amortization, play less than the, the interest. That's something I don't agree with. You should we should really try to stay away from that and always pay over the amount and be careful because negative amortization, meaning that by the time this loan comes due, you'll owe more than what you originally took out because you're not making the right amount of payment and you're paying less than what's needed to be paid. Um, let's go to the next slide. 
Okay, so this is a quick example of an amortization schedule. Um, and I'm going to let Larry just joined in. So I'm going to let Larry um, bring us through it real quickly. Hey, guys. Um, sorry for, for joining in late. But um, yeah, I put this together really quickly just because we had a lot of text earlier. And I just wanted to show you guys some people learn better graphically or like visually. So I wanted to show you visually you know, what, what all this stuff means. We take a very simple example of a mortgage, right? Let's say, okay, I, I took out $200,000 for a mortgage. Um, and typically, a lot of people do a 30-year mortgage because the longer it is the lower your interest rate right because if you're paying more if you're paying more uh over a longer period of time the bank is more willing to give you a lower rate because they're going to collect more over that time if that if that makes sense and so i'm not going to go over any of this because you don't need to know about the calculations the the bank will show you this they will give you this thing on the left side called a called an amortization schedule which is effectively a fancy name for just how your loan is going to be paid off over time. The only important thing that I want to show you is that in the beginning, while you, so if you look at the first, if you look at the second column, right, payments, this is for the first year of your mortgage. The payment stays the same because it's a fixed rate mortgage. We're not talking about adjustables. We're talking about a fixed rate. We're paying four and a half percent throughout the 30 years. But where your payment goes changes over time. So in the beginning, because you owe a lot of money, you owe all $200,000 of it, most of your payment, in this case, 75% of it is going to paying interest, which can sound crazy to you, but that's how a mortgage works. Uh, but over time, it flips around. And then as you pay off your mortgage balance, if, as you pay off the principal is what they call it, then you're going to pay less and less interest. And so if you look on the right side, the blue line is basically, you know, uh, like the how you're, you're paying off that $200,000 over time. At the bottom of it is months. So 360 months is 30 years. Um, so you'll see the balance comes down, right? But it's it starts off a little slower and then it speeds up because in the beginning you're paying you're paying the red line, which is interest, which which goes the other way. Right? So the red line starts starts off it starts growing very fast and then slows down. So without going to any of the mechanics of it, it's just basically when you're paying a mortgage you should be aware of how much your payment is goes into interest at versus paying off the actual balance of the mortgage. And that will vary based on your interest rate. That will vary based on your, uh, your time. And that will vary based on how much you take out. So any, any questions there? John, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. Okay. Thank you, Larry. So quick question, are we going too fast? Is everybody keeping up? Can I get a thumbs up? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. All good. All right, let's go to the next slide, Larry. All right, sorry, Rachel. Okay, so I put this together last night. I said I want to give you some just buying and financing real estate, the wealth mindset, all right? Um, and I just want to go through some terms and just kind of put it together how it all makes sense, okay? I am a huge fan of owning real estate, especially in New York City. You know, you know, it's so hard once you get into, like, paying large sums of rent to go from renting to owning because rent takes up so much of your money here in New York because rent is so expensive. So if you can transition that even if you're still at home or if you're an opportunity where you're not paying a big sort of a big a lot of rent, if you could transition that to, you know, to owning and, you know, and I don't care what scale you start off in. It doesn't matter how small, especially New York, because, you know, the first property I bought for $80,000 and 
and less than a year, I sold it for 160. Like, you know, the, the, the upside in New York City in general is always, it's always done well, regardless of the market condition. I think it'll always continue to do well. And worst case scenario, even if you're not able to do that, you can just pay a mortgage and then actually have the, you know, you have the access to the capital when you retire or down the road. So it's just a good idea, in my opinion, to look to buying real estate. Um, so think terms that I want you to understand when it was a wealth mindset and how real estate really works from a strategic perspective is let's talk about first the purchase agreement. Okay. And it's a binding contract between a buyer and a seller that outlines the details of the home and, and seeks and sale transaction. So how this works, you look at a property, you see it and, and first understand the function of your attorney. Your attorney is not a business person. He's not a business advisor. He's there to make sure that everything is done legally. Can you ask him some questions business-wise? Of course, but you shouldn't depend on them as your advisor. That's where people make the mistake. You know, I don't want to quote Donald Trump too often about the art of a deal, but one thing he said, which made sense to me, and I heard this before he was president. So this is before he was president. He said, you know, he, he calls his lawyers once the deal is already done. And it's now for them just to like, Put all the legal legality around it and you know it's funny because the way he conducted himself as president i can tell some of his team his lawyers was like whoa we didn't see this coming because he's really like looking at them to like okay let's just make this kosher but i am the businessman and i'm the guy that's going to drive this initiative and that's how i look at when it comes to real estate like i'll call my lawyer when i have a deal i don't call him to ask him what he thinks about the deal what he thinks about the opportunity i'm calling to say hey i'm buying x amount of property speak to the seller's attorney or speak to, or I'm selling my property. I'm not telling how much should I sell it for? Or what should I sell it for? No, I am the businessman. You are my attorney and you have to have that mindset. So if you're not up to par with knowledge and your attorney is schooling you on that business, that means you don't know enough about that business. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, um, purchase agreement. This is where your 
you are negotiating the deal, either on the buyer side or on the sell side. And everything is negotiable. Everything is negotiable. Everything can have a term, condition, can have a rider to it. Rider meaning you can change something, you can add something, you can modify something. And this is where, you know, I always say you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Because the way you do that is that you're buying at a good deal and you're buying knowing there's an opportunity. I, even when I look at real estate, I say, don't try to sell me what you think is going to happen 10 years from now. I don't want to hear that there's going to be a Disney World in downtown Brooklyn. And when that comes, everybody's property is going to turn into $30 million properties. Because I'm not banking on Disney World opening up downtown Brooklyn. I'm banking on what's happening now and how I can adjust and what I see is going to happen. Don't tell me about these projects that you think it's going to happen. Because guess what? I'll just give this analogy. Madison Square Garden is in the middle of New York City, in the middle of Manhattan. Is that the most expensive real estate in Manhattan? So you tell me about this surge and something happening, all this doesn't mean that that's going to make it the most expensive real estate and it's going to make sure that I'm going to make my money. So I don't want to hear that. I want to know when I'm looking at something, I've done my homework and I can see what's trending, what's happening, or I'm buying. And I would say I'm buying into the now, not into the later. And maybe it's hurt me in a sense that I've, I haven't hit the big deals and I haven't hit the home runs like I mentioned early, but I got a lot of good singles that I can talk about. Got a lot of good double hits and I sleep well at night. There's not too many deals that have me can't sleep. And if they are, then, I, then I, it's not a deal for me because I love my sleep. Okay, so you want to be able to negotiate very well and be bold with your questions. Like I love the gentleman that was asking all the questions today, challenging me, Sean. No, this is not a depreciation. This is a depreciation. That's how you have to come with it. Comes to be bold with your questions. Be confident with your questions and ask them. Because once you sign something, and I've signed that contract, I was in court for seven years with a dumb contract. I should have never signed. I should have never trusted this person, and it cost me hundreds of thousand dollars in legal fees to get out of this idiotic thing. I should have never been involved in. And it was a real estate deal that I was just. You know, long story, I'd take up this whole class to tell you about that. If you want to talk to me on the side, I can tell you the deal gone bad with Sean. Okay. <laughs> um, so next, mortgage. A mortgage is, a, is one's property is a guarantee to get a loan. The debtor or mortgager, IEU, is the owner of the property, while the creditor, the mortgagee, the bank, is the owner of the loan. When the mortgage transaction is made, the debtor gets the money with the loan, which is often used to finance part of the home purchase price and promise to pay the loan. I look as a mortgagee or the mortgage of the bank as my silent partner, you know, if there's a time where I could do all cash, I don't know if I would, because it doesn't, it's, it limits how many properties I can buy. I can put a million dollars into one property, or I can put a hundred thousand dollars each into 10 properties and own 10. And that's the wealth mindset. Some people are like, Oh, I want to do all cash. Well, then it limits your growth. It limits what else you can do. I'd rather have 10 mortgages and 10 properties than no mortgage in one property. Your choice. That's the wealth mindset. <laughs> I'm using the bank as my partner. And the only thing I have to do to keep my partner happy, which is the bank, is make those payments. And sometimes I think, you know, banks, lenders may be better than actual physical partners. Because guess what? If I had a guy loan me a million dollars to buy a property, he's going to be calling me every minute. How are we doing? How's the property? How's it going? What's going on? Where's things happening? What's going? When are we going to sell? When are we going to do this? With the bank, they're not breathing out of my neck as long as I make that payment. So they're not a bad partner if the terms are are favorable. Okay, so here's now where we get into the secret sauce here of real estate. It's called refinancing a mortgage, okay? I'm sure you've all heard the terms of refinancing and what it means and so forth. So refinancing, you're trading in your old mortgage for a new one and possibly a new balance. When you refinance your mortgage, you get a new mortgage and use the money to pay off your old mortgage. 
people often refinance a mortgage to make advantage of a lower interest rate. So in this wonderful country, you can get out of your mortgage very simple and go to new bank. As long as there's not a prepayment penalty, then you can transfer your mortgage from one bank to another. Here's where the wealth is made and where the money is made. So we get into the next line, which is called equity. It's your home market value minus how much you owe on the mortgage. In other words, it's how much money you've received when you sell your home and paying off the mortgage. So let me give you why I love New York City real quick. New York, if you know, the tri-state area is, um, is, is islands. You know, Manhattan is an island surrounded by water. Brooklyn, Queens, and Long Island is one big island surrounded by water. And what it does, it limits your uh, scarce. The scarce resource is land, right? New York, you can't build more land. I mean, they're doing landfills. Somebody, somebody could come up and say, well, there's landfills in downtown Brooklyn. Yes, you're right. There are landfills. Generally speaking, you cannot grow out New York City, Tri-City, or any more than what it is. You know, places like Florida, Georgia, their real estate prices are not as high as New York because they have a supply of land. There's a lot of land there. It's not an island. They can keep growing out. They can build suburbs. Their infrastructure is great. The highways are great. So you can get from one exit to another exit real quick. If you guys know New York City, it's hard. the infrastructure is very poor. It's hard to get around. So you want to generally be close to where everything is. And that's what drives up the price of real estate because infrastructure is poor, land is scarce, and there's a lot of people wanting to live in this small area. So everybody's kind of vying for the same space, which will drive up real estate value. Does that make sense? Yep. Hence why prices in New York keep going up. Hence why you could you could go sell Bronx, East New York, Brownsville, and see these old buildings. And you're like, how are they selling for $1 million? This, And someone's saying, I can get that same building. In Florida, that can buy me four buildings. In Atlanta, I can build a build house. Yes, but... Yes, you can. You may you may be able to get ten houses in in, in Mississippi for the one building and broken and a one broken down gutted old building in East New York. But the difference is is that that building has value in New York because of the demand for it. People want to live there. People can do. You can build apartments in it. You can have tenants in. You can't have ten tenants in a building like that in Mississippi or in Atlanta, because you know what? People are just going to go live somewhere else. And people that I have friends that I know have moved down to the South. Yes, they have huge houses, but they were like, when you get off at the airport, it's a three hour drive to get to my house. Or like I have this huge house and, and you know, a hundred bedrooms and I paid a hundred thousand dollars for it five years ago. And now it's worth $110,000. They don't go up in value because there's a lot of supply and I'm not discouraging anybody to buy in those areas. But for me personally, those would be my like one-time buy. I'm buying in Atlanta. I'm moving to Atlanta, and I'm looking just to live in and in, lovely. In but if I'm looking from an investor's perspective, I loan a lot of people that go outside of New York and do some investing. And the returns are, to me personally, this is my experience, are not as high as they would be in New York because of what I just explained to you when it comes to scarce resources and the land, right? So if you have an opportunity to live and buy in New York, you're doing yourself a really good favor. And I will say, whereas there's not a bad area to buy in New York. You know, when I first moved to New York, people would even look at like Brownsville, East New York. Now those are all prime areas. And I say, even when it comes to where do I look to buy in New York, follow the A train. Wherever is close to the A train, a few blocks off the A train, it's a good buy. Because people want to live near the train and the A train is the fastest train in New York City and it takes you from wherever you need to go to in a quick amount of time. So, you know, if Wait. you're looking for, look, follow the train lines. Those are how the map, and I wouldn't say buy like a block from the train, but like a three or four blocks you're not hearing the subway is probably a good buy. Um, so the, re- the, re- the thing about it is, is equity. So basically what you are able to see your property or your investment grow in value 
towards what you owe is called equity difference. And banks will then relend you money based on that amount. So if you bought a property for $100,000 and it's now worth $200,000, the bank is saying, well, we'll lend you, you know, close to usually 70% of what your property is now worth. So you owe 100 and they say, we'll lend you up to $170,000. And the 70, the 100 minus the 70 is what we call equity. And they'll just give you that back in a check. And if you're smart with it, you can use that money then to purchase other real estate. So you get into the game of now of using other people's money to buy real estate. And the wealthy person, the smart person will tell you, you may not want to tell you, but the truth of the matter is, if you can afford to buy one property and that property makes money, you can buy 10 properties. You keep growing. You can keep pulling out equity, buying those properties. As long as you go back to what I said, as far as your mortgage is bank being your partner and make your commitment to make those payments, the bank will continue to lend you money. You continue to grow. You continue to own multiple properties. And before you know it, you'd be like, wow, I have four properties and I owe 400000 and they're worth $2 million. I'm a millionaire. Whoa, whoa. And it'll, it'll surprise you how fast and quickly it can happen if you start thinking in that mindset and keeping sure that you satisfy your investors, your mortgage, your bank, and keep thinking in terms of equity. So I, I can't spend too much time on it. That was as quickly as I could. Hopefully everybody understands. It just kind of encourages you to think Wait. and grow. Yes. Have, so here's a question. Like, sorry, have you heard of like, I think you talked about this, but it's like when you buy like a house, it's like a, what's it called? Like a two-story house or family house and you live there. Correct. Correct. And you live there and then you rent someone else. So basically you live rent free. Correct. Or partially. Yes, absolutely. And your, and your, your property is growing in value while you're living rent free. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that more expensive than getting a regular home or? Well, I don't know in terms of regular, but in terms of, you know, can it be more expensive? It can be, but it can be a lot cheaper as well if you buy right and look right and find and do the math, do your homework, look at the purchase agreement, make sure that when you're adding into, okay, how much is a mortgage going to be? How much of my payments are going to be? What can I reasonably get conservatively? I'm always very conservative what I can get in rent. I'm not, when somebody tells you like, oh, this apartment can get $2,000 a month in rent. Yeah, prime, but I'm very conservative. So if someone tells me that, I'd probably chop that number down to like $1,500 and still see if it makes sense. And even when it comes to tenants, which I have 22 tenants, I always, I always make my tenants feel that they're getting a better deal, that I'm the one losing. I'm the sucker. Like, oh my God, Sean only charges us this amount of money. Because what it does for me, it makes those tenants feel like, oh, they're happy to be there. They feel that they're getting a deal. And the, the more than chances are they probably they're going to pay the rent because they don't want to feel like they don't want to lose this deal. So I have always been the fan of like charging a little bit under market just so everybody feels like they're winning. And I win because you're going to pay me rent consistently. So yeah, hope that answers your question. I think I went a little off on a tangent, but I think I answered the question. All right. Especially during this time. Absolutely. You know, you know, your investors, your tenants, your, your staff, you know, even your boss, these are people that, you know, you have to make your best effort to make them even like, you know, if you're working for somebody, your boss can be your number one promoter, you know, can promote your brand, see how well you're doing, see how good you're doing. And it, it makes sense to man- manage and maintain that relationship. I know it's not always easy. I've had bosses that were quote unquote, just horrible, but I always try to put my emotions aside and, and focus on the prize. And in my head, know that everything is for a time. Eventually this person will not be my boss, but just hope during that time, I'm able to get a much, as much out of it as I can. Um, let's go to the next slide. 
investment accounts and asset classes. Um, so we're going to talk about the different type of investments real quickly. Um, Larry, I'll let you start with this one. Sure. Sorry. So investment accounts, I want to make a very, you know, before we talk about any of this, I want to talk about a couple of things. A lot of people ask us about investments and the, the quick disclaimer I'm going to make is we're not financial advisors. And if you want advice, the best thing to do is to talk to a financial advisor and more importantly, do the research yourself because there's going to be a lot of people who your friends and people who you can trust, even your family, right? And I'm, 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 I know they're all good people, but they're going to tell you, you know, invest in this or buy this or Bitcoin's going up or any, any, any crazy, whatever, crazy or not crazy opportunity that's out there. And in the end, right, the risk is, is yours. And so I cannot stress enough, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, whether it's any sort of investment that you have to do your own research. Right. And you, you, you can't, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Right. So the two important concepts that I want to talk about while we're at that one is the idea of diversification. And um, does anyone know what, what diversification means? Anyone? You said what? Jennifer. Does anyone know what diversification means? Uh, diversity. Karina said to diversify, but what what is what does that mean? What is diversifying? You want not the phrase "Don't put all your eggs in one basket." Exactly, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, it means like like don't stick to one thing. Like yep, don't stick. Yeah, there's all those are all great ways to think about it because you don't keep looking around. If one thing blows up, right? You don't want to you don't want to be shortchanged. You don't want to be stuck with nothing, right? And I'm not going to tell you about the math or anything like that, but it has been proven over and over and over and over again that in the long run, maybe not in the short run, but in the long term, if you diversify, you will come out better than someone who doesn't. So, you know, there might be a lot of temptation, you know, if something, if, if a stock is doing really well, or like, I don't know, even if like, if a sneaker, if people are into the sneaker game and it's doing really well, right, that you're like, okay, I'm going to put all my savings into this. Don't do that. That's the only thing I'll tell you. Don't do that. You can do it. You can do, you can do some of it. You can invest in it. You can invest in whatever you want, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. The second thing I'm going to talk about is, is the idea of risk, right? And so everything has risk. As I said, nothing is a sure thing. Even the most sure thing is not a sure thing unless it's something like putting your money into a bank, right? Cause the bank, the, the federal reserve literally guarantees your savings up to a certain amount. Right. But for most things you do, there is a risk, whether it's a career, whether it's a investment, whether it's anything. And you have to think, I think Sean will agree with this. You have to think about how are you going to get properly compensated for the amount of risk that you take? And I don't know if that makes sense, but let's say, let's put, let's use an example like this. So if I were giving Sean a loan versus <laughs> if I were giving Sean a loan versus if I were giving Rachel a loan, right? And I and this is nothing to do with any of them, but let's say if Sean, if Rachel is alone and she runs her own business and it's do it's been around for 20 years and it's you know never lost money, it's been doing well, versus Sean, uh, who has a new business, it's a new venture, it may or may not do well, it's an exciting opportunity. But I am, there's nothing for me to base my decision on, right? No data. The question is not, who am I going to loan to? The question is, who am I going to charge the higher interest rate, right? So this goes back to credit. So who am I going to charge the higher or lower interest rate? 
Anyone? Just shout it out. Is Sean is Sean going to be more expensive, or is Rachel going to is Rachel's loan going to be more expensive? What do you guys think? Wait, sorry. So Sean is a new business. Rachel is a business that's been around for twenty years. If I'm trying to give them some, if I'm trying to loan them some money, who am I going to charge a higher interest rate on the business? The which one? I would say it's John because he's new. Sorry. Sean, we got we got a couple people saying Sean, right? Yeah, and in the chat, there's someone said the newer one, probably Sean, because he's risky. Because he's risky, right? So again, we're coming back to the idea of risk. So risk is not a bad thing. You just need to make sure that if you're on the other side of that risk, you need to get something back, right? And so if I'm a lender in this case, I'm gonna want a higher interest rate. So if Sean's business goes under, at least I have something to take back. So I know we're up to time, so maybe I'll, I'll try to be quick on this stuff, but, and we can continue it next time. But just as a, as a start, um, a lot of you guys are, you know, probably thinking about investing and you've heard things like stocks or bonds and real estate or any of the stuff. Uh, and so before we get into all of that, I think the number one thing, there are, there are a lot of different ways to do it. There are a lot of ways to, to access this stuff, especially now with technology, right? Some of you guys might've heard of things like Robinhood, right? Things like, uh, what was it? Like Acorns, things like Betterment. Stash, Betterment. There's a lot of these platforms out there, especially for like millennials to, to do this stuff or younger people to do this stuff because you can access it on your mobile phone. Some of them, like there's no physical branch or location for you to go into. Like you do it all online, which I'm a big fan of. So you can open up these accounts to do these things. And there are a couple of different accounts that I just want to go over really quickly. So if you have a job, um, with an employer, I think most employers after a certain size are required to offer uh, a certain retirement account, otherwise known as a 401k. Some of you guys might've heard of that. Um, and a lot of 401ks, the employer will, you will put in your money to invest for your retirement and you are not allowed to take it out without a penalty until you reach retirement age, which I think is 65, if I'm correct. Um, but well, who will wait that long? But well, 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 think well. So you're not you're not putting all your money in there, right? So you have to weigh it. You have to weigh what is. We're going to talk about budgeting next class. So what is the budget that I need to live, and what is the money that I have to save for myself, right? And the reason why you want to do that is twofold. One, we talked about compounding, right? Last class, compounding means that like every year you're gonna if you're earning five percent interest, let's say for example you're going to get more than 5% because every year you're earning it on the, the total, right? It's going to keep growing more than what just 5%. So that's one. And over the long term, it adds up. It adds up a lot. And two, the big reason is because you don't get charged taxes on the money you put in, which is huge, right? So whatever your tax rate is, if you put your money into a 401k plan, you put your money in pre-tax. So you do not get taxed on it, uh, on the way in for the most part. And when it is, as long as you, as long as you come up and when you, when you take it out, when you're 65, I think Sean, you get the benefit. You don't get taxed on that either, right? 59 and a half. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's deferred. Ta- yeah. It's deferred tax. Oh, it's deferred. So yeah. The taxes, sorry, yeah. the tax is deferred. So you pay the taxes later on, but would you rather pay the taxes now or would you rather pay the taxes later on? 
later. Right? Later on, because just it's a time thing, but also you get the benefit of the compounding today. You get the benefit of all your investments making money today and over the next whatever, how many decades. And so in a way, you're actually, you, you would be able to make more money in the long run. So that's why retirement accounts are important. Again, like I agree with you. It's really hard to think that many years in the future. Uh, but if you have an opportunity to start a 401k plan, and unless you have other sort of near term, like I get it. If you have to go to the hospital and you have a medical bill that you need to pay off, if you have student loans that you have to pay off, you can't necessarily put money into that. But if you can, I really encourage every single one of you guys to put as much up to, a, they have a limit, but put as much and if not max out your 401k plan. Wait, I have a question real quick. Sure. Like it's about the CDs. I think I used to have one when I was younger, but like, what is it again? Isn't it like when- so we're, we're, I'm gonna get into that. I'm, probably, I'm gonna get into that next class. Cause I wanna, I wanna go oh. through each one of these individually and talk about how they're different. Cause I talked about risk, right? The short answer is I talked about risk and return. So the, the less risky the, the thing, this asset class, the less risky, the less you're going to make out of it. So you see CDs are near the top. It says it's less risky. So they're probably not going to make you as much money as a stock. But at the same time, they're probably less likely to lose money because they're not risky. So that's the truth. But I yeah, will we'll get more. Yeah. We'll get more into all the, 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 the definitions. Uh, next class, we'll take it up from this exact will, page. Yeah, we will go into more of it, but I just really want to, like, if there was one big thing I want to take away from this, at least the top part is you have all these options to invest, so you have no excuses. And um, I will get into brokerage accounts and I will get into 529 plans, but from a retirement account standpoint, it is great. Like, you know, if you told me I can avoid taxes, like I, I, I can avoid ta- paying taxes today, um, sign me up right and like larry i know the question you asked asked was you know that's so long ago and it's still down the road but these are all tools that the wealth mindset uses to their advantage to grow their wealth like for example if you're contributing to your 401k they have what companies have matching programs and that's no risk so if you put in a dollar sometimes i've seen them as doing they do a match of three times the amount that you deposit so they put in a dollar you put you invest a dollar they put in three dollars for you there's no better way to grow at your your balance as fast as that and then the plan is all then what can happen also down the road is that there's a lot of like certain events that you can pull out that money without having to pay additional taxes and one of them is to purchase your first home to purchase real estate you know for other things so you could use your 401k which i do a lot of people don't encourage to leverage to buy a piece of property to save for and that and then use that then pay yourself back which we'll get into more in the next class so these are all, you know, what Larry's explained are all wealth mind tools, wealth tools that can help you achieve it and grow wealth. And then, you know, I know as a young person, you're always thinking of the now, but if you can start, if you can, if you can work, you know, the twenties, if you're studying the thirties, if you're, you know, investing, and then when you hit your forties, you're starting to get into a little bit of cruise control. You're not going to have a bad life. You're not going to have a bad life. Um, yeah, so I think we'll take it up from here. We want to get the asset class, and I want to talk about also the big thing in red there, which is an investment that you are all probably going to be one time in your life asked to get involved with, but it won't be called that. And I just want to kind of talk about that a little bit deeper next class because we're right out of time because uh, 
I didn't hear to the time on the slide, so I apologize, but you know, there's so much I'd like to get in. So hopefully everybody got something out of today's class. And we can spend we'll hours and hours and hours and hours yeah. and all this stuff. And so if you want to do more research, you know, Google is your friend, or you can just send us a question. And again, we don't have class next week. So if you want to Google and maybe even come back in the following week with some questions, you know, all the better. Yeah. Exactly. You know, everybody's got break next week and I hope everybody has a great break. You could yeah. keep thinking about how you become more financially clean and doing questions. We'll be back after the Easter Bunny leaves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. We really appreciate so the participation as well, too. Um, I definitely want to just clap it up for everybody because I feel like there's a lot more questions and Absolutely. a lot more participation verbally as well. No, it's been oh, great. So. It's been great. I feel the energy. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying it and getting something out of it. I appreciate that. Definitely. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.